In fact, people long for a real human connection, not for somebody to stand up there and just deliver information at them. You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, the show that helps you communicate with confidence so you can stand out from the crowd and get noticed by all the right people. To subscribe to the show, go to thecmethod.com. Well, hello there, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 90 of Stand Out, Get Noticed. My name is Christina Cantors, communication skills speaker, coach, and new author. Yes, if you listened in last week, you'll know that I launched the Confidence Blueprint book and audio bundle, which I am super excited about. If you hate the idea of self-promotion and struggle when going to networking events, but you know how important it is to build your confidence and be able to get out there and talk to people, then the Confidence Blueprint book is for you. It builds upon the Small Talk Made Simple class, plus it comes in an audio format and also you get three bonus videos with it as well to further help you supercharge your confidence. Now, I'm offering it for 50% off to podcast listeners. This discount won't apply forever, so if you're listening to this six months down the track, it's probably not going to be available. But if you're listening around now, around Christmas time, it will be 50% off until the first week of the new year. So jump on it because I will only be offering this discount for a limited time. Now to get yourself a copy at 50% off, go to thecmethod.com slash blueprint50. That's blueprint50. So thecmethod.com slash blueprint50 to grab yourself a copy of the Confidence Blueprint ebook and audio bundle at 50% off. Alrighty, let's get to the main content of this episode. And I'm very excited to introduce you to my guest, Abe Warwick. Now, I was introduced to Abe by a mutual friend, and I'm so glad that we met. He is a talented communication trainer whose mission is to help the voices of our future leaders find their pitch and really connect with their message and their audience. And to do this, he applies the age-old art of storytelling, which is grounded in the latest scientific insights into neurolinguistics and physiology. His extensive personal experience in various corporate leadership roles gives him the insight to be able to understand the context and challenges facing today's leaders. Now, I really enjoyed this conversation with Abe. We talked about how he left his stable career in IT to pursue his passion of helping people to communicate better and tell their stories more effectively. Similar story to, to me, really. And, and we also talk about something that he's really focusing on with his teachings, which is the physical sensations attached to doing something outside of our comfort zones. And, and he's been going through this a lot with his changing careers recently. And I know exactly what this feels like as well. You know, when you're getting really nervous and maybe you start to hyperventilate or you start to seize up or you start to sweat, all these physiological th- changes that happen when we're feeling fearful or nervous. We talk about that and why it happens and how we can overcome it, as well as other tips for overcoming your nerves and being able to present the best version of yourself and be less nervous and more effective when you speak. Show notes will be at thecmethod.com slash Abe. That's Abe spelled A-B-E, thecmethod.com slash Abe. Now, right before we get to that, I just want to give a really quick shout out to Michael, who has been helping me to edit and publish my podcasts. Really, really appreciate the help, Michael. You are doing a fantastic job. So thank you very much. All right, let's meet the wonderful Abe Warwick. 
So, Abe, we were introduced by a mutual friend, and the first time we spoke, I felt like we got along like a house on fire. Um, yeah. Now, I'm a very outgoing person, and I get along with other outgoing people, so, and you, you have a very, you know, people person type personality. How <laughs> on earth did you end up working in IT? Uh, okay. Well, thank you for that compliment. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, well, for a, for a long, long time, I was, um, surrounded by actors. Um, my mum, Isabel, who I'll talk about later on was, is a, uh, actress and was, a, um, in movies and TV and radio presenter and so on. So I had a kind of very theatrical upbringing in that sense. I was exposed to a lot of, uh, extroverts and, and a lot of, um, arty types and things like that. So that had a, a big impact on me touring around with, um, with her productions and things like that early on. Um, but I also saw, and I don't know if this is exactly what led to this line of thinking, but I also saw the struggle that, uh, most actors go through to, um, to earn a living and, and put bread on the table. And I was fascinated by technology. I loved toys and solving problems and pulling things apart and figuring out how they worked. And I loved helping people. That was kind of what, what first got me into it because, you know, something that would seem simple to me because I'd been playing with uh, computers for a long time which seemed, was really difficult for other people. So I'd uh, help them out, uh, help them solve the problem, and that kind of led me into um, into tech support. And I just climbed the, the ladder from there until I was um, leading multiple IT teams across Australia for a large engineering corporation. So... I kind of fell into it in that sense, but I, I really loved and I still do love technology. Mm. And that's a, that's a rare combination of skills to have, like someone like you who has that technical interest and know-how, but also an ability to communicate with other people and to lead teams as well because mm. you get a lot of people in that highly analytical camp that really struggle to communicate with others and, you know, we're going to talk about this a, bit, a little bit later, but mm. that combination of skills that you have would be really rare, especially in your industry. Yeah, there is certainly the um, idea of the IT person as being the highly introverted and lacking social skills and things like that. I mean, that's a bit of a um, stereotype, but it's certainly true in a lot of ways. It's true of a lot of those technical fields, I think, that people – focus more on the technical skills in their education and what they practice and what they work on um, because that's what's considered valuable in society at the moment. Um, you know, the qualifications that you have on a page, the, um, the, the skills and, and so forth that you've acquired. And communication was and to some degree still is considered a softer skill when in actual fact, you know, it's, it's core to what everybody does. I mean, firstly, as people, as human beings trying to uh, engage with each other and, and, mm. and win each other over and, and have compelling arguments and certainly in, in work life to be able to interact and, and influence people. It's very important. So I think that it's it, we've come a long way, us IT nerds, from antisocial image that we used to have through to being, I think it's a, it's a little bit more considered to be something which people from all walks of life have, have those skills. But, it, but definitely something that you touched on is, is that dichotomy. Uh, how do we get the people who are in those technical positions to be able to lean forwards, um, you know, step forwards and, and have... Uh, a contribution to the conversations which are um, happening all around them and get involved. Mm. So how long did you spend in the IT and engineering industry? Uh, so I've been in IT ever since I was um, 18, so, geez, 18 years now. Um, and actually even before that, 
Um, and engineering was the most recent um, past life. I was working for a, um, a multinational huge corporation as the IT director looking after a number of IT teams in Australia. Um, mm. And before that, working for not-for-profit and other corporations right back to even Microsoft technical support back in the day, answering the phones on the, <laughs> the treadmill. Um, that was uh, particularly grueling but, but also uh, really taught me a lot about uh, about IT in particular, but it's also about how you have to deal with different types of personalities and people who are very anxious. And so I think even back then, I was very interested in the nuances of communication, um, you know, why people, some people can command the room while others sort of shrink back into the, into the corners. Mm. And I understand that now you've actually taken that interest to a whole new level and have switched careers. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, I've taken the plunge. Um, so, like I said, you know, I had that acting and uh, and theatrical part of me always ticking along there and that interest in, in how people uh, interact. And I found myself, particularly in the, in the large corporate environment, becoming frustrated with some of the, you know, the corporate speak and the just noise, uh, the person who's got the biggest title or has the, um, you know, has the, uh, control of the meeting isn't necessarily the person you actually want to be listening to. Sometimes it's the quietest person in the room who has the story to tell, um, that's going to be of the most value to people. And I started noticing that outside of the, um, the forums where, uh, the real decisions are happening, people at the technical level, the engineers uh, or in IT, the, the, the technical guys, had these great ideas and really wanted to um, uh, to see things happen in a different way and and wanted to improve things. But then when it came to actually bringing those ideas up in the right forum where things could actually happen, they wouldn't speak up. And uh, that that became of particular interest to me. How do we? What's the difference between those people who can command the room and the people who feel like they're not being heard? And how can we help them? How can we give people the tools that they need to be able to move into the spotlight? So what, at what point, what was the turning point for you in your career when you realized I need to get out and start helping these people and do something different? Right. Uh, well, I recently had a big change in my life and I split up with my ex-wife and sold the house, uh, packed everything that I had into a, a, a backpack oh my and goodness. went uh, traveling around Asia for 18 months. That's huge. Yeah, it was. I, I think uh, you and I have some sort of similar stories about you know the the big moment of of going off traveling and and getting that mm. shift in perspective when you get out from the day to day and be able to look back at your life and from another perspective and start to question what is it that I actually want to do? What is it that really drives me? And um, I spent a long time staring at my navel and uh, sitting on beaches and going on all <laughs> kinds of crazy adventures where I was stretching myself and putting myself out in these uncomfortable uh, situations. What was the craziest adventure? Oh, well, <laughs> geez. Okay, maybe not the craziest. What's the craziest one that's appropriate for a family-friendly podcast? <laughs> sure, sure. sure. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, on, on one side of the scale, you've got skydiving and, um, and all extreme sports and, and even just traveling on the roads in Nepal is an extreme sport in and of itself. It's, uh, <laughs> it's incredibly hair-raising. Um, but I also, you know, was riding motorbikes through Laos, um, pretty much, well, with no guide, just 
a point on a map as a destination. And, and at one point towards the end of the trip, I, I had a big accident and lost my toe. Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a nine toed, uh, communication and presentation skills coach. Um, can I ask which toe? Uh, it was a non-essential toe. It was the <laughs> second from small toe on my left foot. Turns out you don't need oh, it. Oh my just goodness. Extra you don't need it. You're carrying around. It's not an essential uh, item. So. There you go. Yeah. Impl- implement that if you're listening. If you want to lose weight, uh, well, do not need your second last toe. <laughs> I don't know if a couple of grams is worth the um, the surgery or recovery, <laughs> but no. Look, it was so you know really just putting myself out there and uh, and. Literally. Yeah. Here's my toe. Yes. Here's my I toe, left, Laos. I left Take a part it. of myself in the Philippines. It wasn't my I heart, but it was my, uh, my toe. <laughs> my mother is Isabel Kirk. She's one of the, the foremost um, communication and presentation skills coaches in Australia, and she's been working around the world with a whole bunch of top people. And I've been working with her off and on even well through my IT career in various capacities. And like I said before, you know, soaking up the, um, the theatre lifestyle and uh and her approach to coaching which is to use uh actor training techniques to solve communication hurdles or or to be able to give people those same tools that actors use to be able to play any role to let Mm. people be able to go in and uh and unlock that within themselves uh in their presentations and, and communication so that stuff fascinated me uh, and I was found myself more and more drawn to it. And um, so when I returned to Sydney, um, having exhausted my holiday fund and and some, uh, I thought, you know what, I'm going to uh, give this my all and really plunge in with both feet and make a go of it. And I've loved every minute of it. I've been in, in sponge mode, soaking up the work that she's doing, uh, work coaching alongside her and uh, co-opting some of her methods and techniques uh, to my own sort of style. Mm, fantastic. Well, congratulations on taking the plunge. Thank you. It's a big step. Yeah. And I know that feeling, getting back from overseas and going, okay, mm. now what? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, have I had to... the fun. I had the fun. Now I have to knuckle down and actually do something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, I mean, we spoke about this on the phone. Um, there's only so much sitting on a beach you can do uh, with this kind of personality type to before you go now where's a problem I can solve you know where, what's something that I can mm. do to uh, to make a positive impact on the world so tell me which area of communication skills training are you most interested in and who are the people you're most interested in helping sure yeah my fascination lies in honest real communication so you know when people really connect with what it is that they're saying and they're speaking from the heart and the gut and the mind simultaneously, and it has that sort of goosebump factor. And you'll notice mm. that, you know, you have two people with, um, uh, you know, powerful messages, but one person is able to get everybody to lean forwards and, and really engage in what they're saying to the degree that they're going to go out there and, uh, and, and champion their cause or whatever it might be. Uh, and, and other people just aren't able to make that connection. It's that sort of subtext of what's going on there. What's the seething inner life of people? Talking from the heart and the brain. The seething inner life. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I've, uh, I've stolen that, but, um, but it's a phrase which I, I like to wheel out because it's, it is that depth, you know, there's, there's a, is a thin layer. Sometimes it's, it's quite a substantial layer of, of intellectual, um, conversation and information that's being conveyed when a good presenter speaks, but there's a wealth of other information that's being conveyed at a uh you know at a 
totally different level. And there's body language mm. and eye contact and all of that stuff which we, we know about. But there's something else, and it's that sort of something else which fascinates me. And it's um, and, and interestingly, you know, this is stuff which used to be very esoteric and intangible, and you know, people would go to workshops and come out feeling fantastic, but not really able to understand: is there science behind what's going on? You know, is there is this real, or is it a placebo effect? Am I just being g'd up because there's a, a group of people around me feeling the same way? And now with technology, and this is another reason why. I, I'm still in love with technology because it starts to actually shine a light with these fMRI scans that they can do now on what's going on in the physiology of people, um, you know, in their, in their brain and all through the body, the chemicals that are being engaged and the electrical activity that's going on when people communicating and when people are engaged in what's going on around them. And it's fascinating. So there's, there's a whole bunch of studies which are backing up stuff that we've known for a long time, but it's, it's great to get that sort of validation or that tick from the science world. So this scientific stuff that you're talking about in terms of monitoring biochemical responses, mm. is that both in within the speaker and the audience? Yes. Or is it just the – okay. Yeah, absolutely. So there's some uh, amazing studies which are, um, uh, are going on at the moment, and they're looking at not just humans but, um, but all animals – um, and you know, we just keep learning over time just how similar we are to, uh, to other animals. And the, the fact that we as humans have been taught over the course of our lives to, and there's a good reason why you don't want a small three year old, uh, running around reacting instinctively to every impulse that comes through its, its mind. And instead we're taught to clamp down and, and, and exert some control over the way we're presenting ourselves, the way we're, the noises that we're making. Um, so what happens is mm. then the, that extra level, multi-layered, multifaceted, beautiful seething inner life is cut off because we don't want to be as human animals so vulnerable and out there on stage, you know, panting like a, a nervous um, animal uh, for the whole world to see. So we, we clamp down and, um, and there's a whole bunch of techniques which we can do around breathing and, uh, and focusing in that can unlock that and very, very simple mm. stuff, which may, which goes a long way to helping people be more present and engage on a more fundamental level with the, the people mm. that they're talking to. I'd love to dive deeper into that. But first I have another question. Is that why people tend to be robotic on stage and just present like the words that they want to say mm. without really being authentic and showing their inner self because they're, they are afraid of, of being vulnerable? Yeah, is, that, absolutely. is that what it is? Yeah, look, there's so it, it comes from that uh, fear of, of vulnerability, which is not a, um, you know, there's a biological imperative for that where we're wired to be animals that are um, reacting to danger around us in, in very mm. major ways. So, you know, you've got this... Um, inner critic and these chemicals which are designed to keep you to get going back to your comfort zone go back and sit in front of the fire and reproduce and be a safe human and, and um, progress the species uh, don't put yourself out in front of the tribe and stand up and wave your arms around and, and get attention or you're all you know they'll they'll pull you apart 
Yeah, you'll be ostracized from the group, right? That's what we fear. Exactly. Because because we all crave that human connection. Yeah. And if we do something that's different or we show our true selves, then that puts us, us at risk of being removed from the group or being kicked out. Mm. And then that means that we're alone, which back in the day we would have been eaten by lions yep. if we didn't have our the support of our tribe. But nowadays we're not going to be eaten by lions. Spot on. So all you have to do is just say, all right, look, thank you, physiology. I'm recognizing these <laughs> symptoms of sweaty palms and you know, tunnel vision and my heart racing and the inner critic telling me in all these logical, it knows you so well, that little voice in your head that's saying, Christina, why don't you just go home? It won't be a big problem if today you don't, you know, do this presentation. It's not going to make a difference. Mm. Thank you, inner critic, for looking after me. I'm going to put myself out there for this moment and expand my comfort zone to encompass this activity that I'm doing. And look, I didn't die. I've got positive, uh, you know, reinforcement that this isn't a, uh, <laughs> such as a, a dangerous thing to do. And it becomes easier and easier over time. I mean, even the most world's most famous actors, you know, um, Bill Murray or Al Pacino or whoever, they're feeling those same sensations, um, that we feel when they put themselves out there outside of their comfort zone. Admittedly, their comfort zone is probably a lot larger because of practice over the years. Mm. But those same sensations that you and I and your listeners feel when we have to get up and speak or when even when it's you're sitting around a table and everybody's taking it in turns to introduce themselves and it comes up to your turn, you start to notice those physiological sensations of anxiety it could be interpreted as. And the idea is to say, all right, well, look, Everybody who is successful and communicates well has felt this way before. It's not just me. They're not naturally gifted at this and it's some skill that I don't have. So what they do instead is they choose to interpret those sensations of uh, fear and discomfort and the inner critic and all the physiological stuff as being exciting. I'm jumping on the roller coaster. I'm, uh, I'm embarking on something oh, yeah. that's stretching me and, and growing me. So that's, that's one little um, sort of technique that uh, that I use to try to be able to say, all right, I can put myself out there. I can uh, I can do this. Mm. So telling yourself that you're excited instead of exactly um, terrified. <laughs> yeah. I also I also like to I encourage people to view things as an opportunity mm-hmm. instead of a horrible thing you have to do. Yeah. So if you are requested to do a presentation at work or us or going to a networking event or something, instead of going, oh, I've got to do this horrible presentation, mm. think to yourself. Isn't this a great opportunity to share the, my work with the rest of my team or whatever it is? Absolutely. Yep, exactly. There's a, a technique which was the Stanislavski method of um, teaching actors. Um, and there's a long backstory I could go on for hours. It's fascinating. But the long and short of it is, you know, method acting where people became so emotionally invested in what, in the um, character that they, wore that character's skin and, and felt all the feelings and, and delved into their emotions to be able to portray it properly, mm. you know, being able to actually connect with what is it that what is it that I'm trying to achieve in my life that this communication, presentation, whatever it might be, is going to move me towards. And, uh, and just asking that question and playing an action on your audience to – change them so it stops being about you as the speaker or presenter uh, and becomes about having an impact on the people in front of you. Mm. So can you just repeat that question again that we should all be asking ourselves? What is it that uh, moves me towards my super objective? What is it about this 
that is uh, is going to help me achieve the things which I uh, I want to achieve with my life. So, you know. Mm, it's going big picture. It's not just about this presentation. Exactly. And the outcome of this presentation, it's about what – like what is this big? What is the big picture? The effect of this presentation is going to impact something else, which is going to impact something else, which is going to impact something else. Spot on. Which is then going to, which is then going to achieve something huge, or has potential to achieve something huge. Yes, and and and, yeah, and it has so the important. ability to connect you with your inner energy. So the thing which drives you, which makes you who you are, you can tap into that just before a presentation, so that you're not coming across as um, purely on that intellectual level. And I just wanted to comparison with, um, and I know you've got a lot of US uh, listeners, so I hope I don't mm. lose any for you, but um, uh, bringing up the um, US election. So mm. you've got two people, let's forget the politics, but you've got two people, and if you looked at what they said written down on paper, um, you've got one who is, uh, you know, making reasonable arguments, and certainly Obama as well as Hillary Clinton, um, Reasonable arguments, very well thought out speeches, beautifully crafted uh, language, and another where, to, and this is my opinion, reading it, it seems disjointed. It doesn't make a lot of sense. The the writing is very, um, you know, uh, very primitive. And if you compared those two, you'd say, well, you know, this person has no chance. But the reality is that, um, you know, the people chose Trump, and there's a whole bunch of reasons that they did, but. The fascinating thing from a language perspective is how can somebody who uh, who can barely string a sentence together, uh, you know, have won over somebody who has a team of writers crafting these beautiful speeches? And it comes down to what people say, we believe Trump. You know, we think that he speaks from the heart. We think he, he speaks from the gut. Um, he's uh, telling us the truth. Um, and that's... That's to me like just such a, uh, shines such a light on how important this idea of it's not just what you say, but it's how you say mm. it. Um, and how can we help the people who actually have something really meaningful to contribute connect with their message in such a way that they, they say it, uh, as effectively as possible? Absolutely. And also Trump would have, by not changing his speeches to sound like someone he's not, He's then able to um, speak with more authenticity mm. because because he's speaking in the exact same way that he would have written his speech, yep. um, or you know his speechwriters would have written it in a way that you know he they know he would have said it. Yeah, and I find that a lot of people a lot of people have this problem where they go and they write a speech or a presentation in the way that they write, and then when they go to present it they struggle because the way that they speak is not the same as the way that they write. So they don't write in a conversational style. And then it becomes really challenging and they feel awkward and disjointed trying to say this presentation or say these sentences Mm. that they wouldn't normally say in a day-to-day conversation. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And and it's the, it comes back to that thing that we over-prepare as a, as a me- method of um, protecting ourselves as a shield when in actual fact mm. it's, it's kind of undermining us. Um, this idea that you can have – you can write and memorize an entire presentation or speech and then expect yourself to be able to deliver that in a dynamic and spontaneous way that's feeding off the energy of the audience and, and reacting to what's going on around you. Um, I mean, some people are very good at doing that, but the people who really give you that sort of, and I keep going back to the goosebump factor, but 
you know, that, that real, wow, I, I, I can sense how important this is to you and I can, and you're winning me over are the people mm. who are able to throw away chunks of what they've decided to talk about and what they've written down and, um, and just react to the impulses coming through, flowing through them. Now you have to be pretty comfortable up there to be able to do that. It's not something that everyone's going to be able to do straight away, but that's the goal to be able to get to that point where you can almost throw away the script and, uh, and just let yourself, um, be in the moment and, and genuinely seeing the audience in front of you and, and connecting with them. Mm. That's why I recommend that people go to something like Toastmasters or go to do something where they're getting up and practicing their speaking. Yeah. And, and this is purely to practice getting up and standing in front of people mm. because that's the scariest bit when you're getting started. Absolutely. And, and the more practice you get, just like as you were saying before, Abe, like the more you do it, the, your comfort zone grows and grows because you get a bit more comfortable mm, with it because yep. you've done it so many times. Yeah. And then once you're comfortable with standing in front of people, never mind what even, what you're even saying, once you're comfortable, comfortable with standing in front of people, that's when you can focus on everything that, that Abe's been talking about. Mm. You know, you, you, then you can work on being authentic and being really honest and, and feeding off your own, well, the audience's energy and, and, and connecting with what you're, what you're saying. Yeah, exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Can you share, can you share one more simple and implementable thing that people can do to become more authentic when they present? Sure. Um, breathe. And honest. <laughs> breathe. It, 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 so much of it comes down to breath. Um, you know, as I mentioned before. Why, why is that? Well, we, it's, it's to do with our impulse control and, and how we're taught from a very young age to lock ourselves down. And it's slightly different for everyone. Some people will clench their teeth. Some people will clench their buttocks. They'll, there's, there's different ways that we each have individually, uh, of making sure that we're not vulnerable and too far out there. And so we clamp down and we, hold on to our breath and that oh. that stops your brain from working as soon as the it, breath shuts down and those those muscles engage uh the the brain starts to freeze up and that's when you start to have that moment of oh i've completely forgotten what i was going to say i i'm moving into my panic zone now where it's all adrenaline and fight or flight um but if you take that moment if that happens or even beforehand all the time wherever possible just Think about your breathing and just try to uh, just try to breathe, basically, and and observe the physiological stuff that's happening in your body. So do it where the stakes are low. You know, you might be uh, talking to a group of friends or family or something, and and just keep that eye on yourself, on your physiology, on your breathing, and uh, and see if you can find out what it is that you do individually, what it is everyone does to uh, to clamp down. And then mm. make a conscious effort to uh, to undo that and notice that wow, it, suddenly I can I can speak. And and the other thing is, which is tied into that, is if you do find yourself freezing up, or as you're getting on, you know, the world is swimming. As you're getting on stage, the world's swimming, and you you know starting to panic. Take time. People are more than happy. In fact, people long for a real human connection, not for somebody to stand up there and um, just deliver information at them. So if you can take a, take the time to stumble over your words even or find the right word, not not artificially, but 
But if that happens, then let it happen and have a pause, breathe, think about what you're going to say. feels like an eternity on stage or in front of uh, somebody that you're talking to. But in actual fact, it's, um, it, it's not uh, it's not something which that they're interpreting as failing or weakness. It makes you human and makes you seem like you're genuinely communicating with them. It's a little magic trick. I've never heard it been explained in that way before about like you hear people say, Oh, I freeze up, mm. right? I freeze up. But the way you explained it about how we, our bodies literally, you know, clamp, clamp up mm. and our bodies tighten now, our jaws tighten. And then that in turn freezes up our brain Spot on. and we can't actually think. So it's not just the brain. It's not just what's going on in the brain. It's also what's going in in the body that's affecting the brain. Very much so. So, yeah. 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 So if you can learn to relax your body, then that will help your brain to free up, which, you know, it explains why we often come up with our best ideas when we're out walking or riding a bike or yes, exercising because right. our bodies are, are relaxed, they're uh -huh. more open and free flowing. And then that allows our brains to work more effectively and create creatively. That's right. Yeah. All of that, that lateral thinking, that beautiful, creative, you know, tangential thinking happens when you're in that relaxed state and uh, and as you start to feel the, the moving through your stretch zone towards your panic zone, it becomes harder and harder and you move more into the primitive brain. And if you can just take a moment to, uh, to breathe and, and relax those muscles, then it, it moves you back in, into that mode. Yeah, you're exactly right. Mm, love it. Mm. Hey, what's one thing you are doing or you're, or you're, you're planning to do that's going to put you out of your comfort zone? And, and stretch, stretch yourself. Well, uh, I'm going to Kazakhstan in a few weeks to, um, visit oh, my wow. fiance who's, uh, who's over there. Um, and I'm going to be doing a workshop and a series of talks to a room full of Kazakhstan people who speak Russian. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Yeah. I, what language will you be speaking? I'll be speaking English. Yeah. It's the only, only <laughs> language I speak. Um, I think I'll have a translator and I think most people speak some English, but it's going to be very different culture, very different world. And, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. Mm, just maybe don't show up in a mankini. Yeah. They, they don't respond well to the, um, the Borat references. <laughs> I've learned the hard way. I think it's a, a, a chapter they're trying to close, but it's sticking around, the poor buggers. Mm. <laughs> How to not build rapport with people in Kazakhstan on. 101. Yeah, 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 yeah. Leave Borat <laughs> at the door is my advice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Abe, for joining me on the show. You've shared so much interesting stuff that I let's help me to think about these things in a different way as well. And I'm going to implement those things that you talked about as well. Try and like calm my body down and be more aware of those physiological changes that are happening. Yeah, for sure. And thanks very much for having me on. It's, I've been looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's, it's great. And good luck with your, um, Toastmasters, uh, world domination. I'll be yes, eagerly watching <laughs> to see your progress. <laughs> that is happening. Hey, if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about you and your coaching, this is especially for people in Sydney because um, I'm based in Melbourne, but you're based in Sydney, Abe. Mm, so mm. for anyone there, if they want to reach out and have some help with their own communication training, how can they get in touch? Yeah, look, I haven't launched my um, personal website yet. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Abram Warwick, A-B-R-A-M-W-A-R-W-I-C-K. 
or if you go to executivevoice.com.au, that's the uh, that's Isabel's website, which I'm um, I'm working in her business and co-teaching some of that stuff with her too. So you can find out a lot more about the stuff that we've talked about on there, and uh, can get in touch through there as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Abe. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Big thanks to Abe Warwick for being an amazing guest on the show this week. You can find out more about his work in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Abe. That's thecmethod.com slash Abe, spelled A-B-E. Alrighty, and that just about wraps up this week's episode. Oh, remember to grab your copy of The Confidence Blueprint. It's 50% off for a limited time just for podcast listeners. I'm not advertising this anywhere else, I promise. Go to thecmethod.com slash blueprint50. That's thecmethod.com slash blueprint5050 to grab your copy. And that is all from me this week. Thank you for spending some time with me today. I hope you have a fabulous Christmas, only a few days away now. I will be back next week with an episode summing up the top lessons I learned from 2016, seeing as it will be the last episode of the year, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Lessons from the podcast and maybe from life as well. (laughs) I will talk to you then. But in the meantime, keep on being awesome. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.